physically or you're just hosting all these wonderful exhibitions, not exhibitions, but workshops throughout the city um, for elders to be able to tell their stories. And I'm so happy that, you know, the um, uh, that exhibit, Threaded Souls, um, of San Francisco is up at the African American Museum and Library, not African American Museum and Library, sorry, wrong city. <laughs> the African American <laughs> Art and Culture Complex in San Francisco yes. and Fulton through um, July 3rd. So that's great. Um, 762 Fulton Street. People can, you know, as they're doing their, you know, distanced walks they can walk on by and check it out you know those wonderful quilts and and then you mentioned to me um that you have a series that is looking at um i think COVID 19 looking at uh police violence and you've got these these portraits that you painted um so anyways one of you just sort of catches up um people who know you know that you are a sculptural furniture designer who studied at the Baltimore School of the, for the Arts and I was looking at the prefix for your number was like okay I think that's William I think that might be the East Coast let me look it up yes, oh yeah yes, Carolyn yes. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Yeah and and you earned a BA in furniture building and design from the University of of the Arts in Philadelphia and a Master's of Fine Arts from the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth Dartmouth, and um, and I remember when I first met you, uh, it was with these big, big, heavy sculptural pieces that was so fascinating and interesting at an uh, at a big warehouse in uh, Oakland, um, over around Twenty Sixth Street or something, and and, yes, and one thing yes, that yes. was really indicative about your work is that you have all these mirrors, so like we're looking at it, and we're also like reflected off of the piece and then I yeah I'm like a big fan all of your all of your exhibits at the um San Francisco Main Library you know on that floor where we have you know the African American um center and uh, mm-hmm. and then of mm-hmm. course you've had all these great exhibits and I'm so happy I was at the opening of Threaded Souls cuz you know we're not doing that right at the moment um you know going to things where you can actually touch people <laughs> so I'm glad I made <laughs> right. that yeah, and then all of your wonderful exhibits at uh, the Dia de los Muertos at SoMars. I mean, you're just like all over the place, you know. Not to mention your your work in the Oakland in the San Francisco Public Schools. So you know, go ahead and catch us up. <laughs> well, thank you. No, I mean that is a wonderful introduction. Um, well, I just wanted to to say this. So the Threaded Souls exhibition. Um, Threaded Souls of San Francisco is at the African-American Art and Culture Complex, but it, the wonderful thing about it is it's 24-hour access because you can't enter the building, but you can, we have these, they have these huge windows on Fulton Street, so you can go any time of the day, any time of the night. You can just walk by, look in the windows, and you get to see the exhibition. So it's exciting. And on the other side of my exhibition is Malik Seneferu's exhibition. So you're Mm -hmm. actually, it's like going to a movie and realizing it's a double feature. So you're going to see my work (laughs) and you're going to see Malik Seneferu's work. So you're going to get two exciting shows for one, for one trip. Mm -hmm. Um, So just briefly, 
I have been very fortunate. I'm uh, doing work with the Dr. George W. Davis Senior Center. I've been doing intergenerational work for the past year. And I develop and create these creative projects which incorporate seniors and young people, and they actually work together producing these creative projects. So that's been exciting. And with this whole um, COVID-19 thing, I mean, number one, like to the rest of the world, it was just a complete shock because it, it was just like literally overnight everything stopped. And um, I worked with just some amazing seniors that were just so energetic, so exciting, and continue to work with them. Quite a few of them actually got impacted by the virus, and we lost some of them. And this had a real profound impact on me. So because of that, these are people that you work with every day. Excuse me. These are seniors that were pillars to the community, all of a sudden they're gone. So it was just really, really heartbreaking. So um, this ties in with some of the work that I've been doing, you know, talking about really the importance of preserving the history, getting the information while people are still here. I, for the past several years, have been doing these projects where I create these quilts. These quilts focus on the African-American population in San Francisco. I do quilts and I do videos, and the, the two are kind of intertwined because the videos allows the senior to share their history, their story of being in San Francisco as a black person, and then the quilts actually have portraits of the seniors on it. So the quilts really turned, with this COVID-19, it turned into a completely different thing because not only were the portraits used to go around the borders of the quilts, but if they also, some of the families came to me and asked could they use the portraits for the obituaries of the people that passed away. Mm. So for me, it was a huge honor because now the portraits take on an even greater community meaning. It's, it's, it's not just this, this thing that you put on a quilt and then you hang it on the wall or whatever, it, it goes beyond that because now we're talking about the art really uplifting and helping the family. So that's, that's really my connection with all of this and why I'm really passionate about, you know, really this new body of work. The, the other aspect is my work has always been talking about social justice and really how it, is, it, it impacts the black community, but in actuality, what people don't realize is it impacts the entire America system, and it goes beyond that, and it, it impacts the world. So I've been producing these pieces, and some of you that kind of know my work, I've been doing a lot of work with, I do portraits with needle with red needle and thread. I go in and I hand sew into my drawings and produce these pieces, and For me, um, the the red thread has a lot of different meanings, you know, um, the color red representing blood, the threads representing the connection that people have with one another. But now, with all of this stuff happening with the COVID-19, and then we put on top of it issues around racial equality, Black Lives Matter, everything else. See, now we're in a time where even if you could pretend that things are not happening, 
even if you can lock yourself away, now these are things that are impacting the entire world. So now for me, this symbol of this needle and thread where everything is connected is even more important. So, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm producing work in some ways at a feverish pitch because I really feel like, you know, this work is really in line with the times we're in right now. So um, that's been pretty much the direction that I've been really, you know, moving with, with the current body of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, in this particular work, is it is it up or is it just on, uh, you know, sort of available? I know people can look at it on your on your website, and you can give your website um, mm-hmm. for our audience so that they could look at your work. And it's just such an interactive space, particularly with your blog. I mean, there's movies and all kinds of things, and you know, and and you're also in a lot of books. <laughs> Maybe you can mention which yeah. ones you're in. <laughs> so people can, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, check yeah. you out. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, most recently I was honored to be included in the um, the Center of Integral Studies, which is in San Francisco. They have a book that they produce uh, every year. It's called Mission at 10th. And um, myself, along with another 3.9 artist, Mark Harris, our work was featured in that book, and many students were um, – encouraged to 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 really follow that book and it's also paired with many literary artists in the city as well and and I think beyond um, you can definitely view the work at the African American you can also go on my website which is uh, www.williamrhodesart.com that's w i l l i a m r h o d e s a r t Com, and that's also on Facebook, too. You can catch a lot of my work. And the other thing that I'm excited about is I was invited to be a part of a project uh, with Reimagine. Uh, Reimagine is an organization that really deals with the issues of um, explaining to our culture that death and dying uh, is a transition and I'm not trying to create a morbid conversation, but, you know, I just want us to understand that, you know, in our society, we don't see death as a continuation. We see it as a, as a finale. So it has a lot of sadness around it because it's lost, and I understand. But with Reimagine, they're really, it's an organization that's really working towards um, a better understanding of what that means. So I was uh, invited by um, Wise Health and reimagine to do a quilt. And um, Brittany Doyle is what's really headed up the project. She's with Wise Health. She approached me. She had an event where uh, people could actually bring pictures of their loved ones and talk about them at this event. And at the end of the event, they actually gave me the images, and then I took the images and did drawings and paintings on these fabric squares, and then we produced this, I produced this quilt. So now we have this uh, reimagined quilt, which has all of these, these people that have passed on, you know, that, that are our ancestors. From, and um, so we're really excited about that. So it's going to be an unveiling um, that's going to be at the Dr. George W. Davis um, 
that's actually happening. It's going to happen this Saturday from 2 to 4. And, uh, again, it's sponsored by Wise Health. So if you go to www.instagram.com slash wisehealthsf, you can actually tune in and you can see the unveiling of the quilt. And it's at 2 p.m., which is uh, June 27th. So that's another big project, too, that just happened. So I was honored to be a part of that. And so this, this uh, virtual unveiling is going to happen in San Francisco, but pe- folks get to see it all over the world. And it's also connected with, again, Reimagine in San Francisco and in New York. Mm, yeah, I was looking at, at that flyer that you sent me on that. I'm like, oh, that looks really interesting. You, you're really staying busy. Thank you. Yeah, you have to, man. <laughs> With all of this stuff going on, you know, it's like it, it literally feels like some days I'm on a surfboard. I'm just trying to ride the wave, you know what I mean, and not mm-hmm. get crashed mm-hmm. in, 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 in the water. Hmm. Wow, wow. Yeah, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about, about the elders, um, you know, that you met through the quilting and project, and, you know, and, and you've also um, – I think the first iteration of of the quilting had to do with children you were working with in Bayview and some of the schools, right? And then you took those quilts and you um, also connected with children and young people in South Africa. And and together, these, these two groups of kids made quilts, together, I believe. I'm, I'm not exactly certain how it worked. But I you could yeah, talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So the um, so I'm going to focus on the South Africa piece first. So with okay. South Africa, that was a um, that was that was an amazing project. So I got invited by a group of artists headed up by an artist by the name of Joyce J. Scott. She's an she's a famous bead artist. So I was honored to be invited to be a part of this this group. So we went to South Africa. And I developed a project on my own about quilt making while I was there. And, the, and I connected with different schools that were uh, throughout South Africa. And um, the groups of schools, they, I basically went with images, uh, drawn images of Nelson Mandela and fabric squares. And the students were encouraged to color them in. Some of the students actually drew their own portraits of Nelson Mandela. And I took all of the fabric squares and everything once it was produced, came back to uh, San Francisco, and also worked with students in um, the different parts of San Francisco in the Bayview area. I worked with them at, at uh, in particular, a school named Dr. Charles Drew. And we combined all of these fabric squares together, and we produced actually four quilts that commemorated Nelson Mandela. And the thing that made the project even more exciting was when I, number one, the students, I connected a bridge between the two. So the students at Dr. Charles Drew could actually write letters, to the students at, uh, in, in South Africa. But the biggest thing that was exciting to me was the fact that when I brought back images and showed them videos of how some of the students were in South Africa, the students that Charles Drew 
saw that there was a need for certain things in South Africa. So they actually, on their own, developed a clothing drive and raised, uh, they, they got tons of clothes that had people donate clothes, socks, shoes, et cetera. And so we were able to then take that over to the students in South Africa. So, and they, I think even to this day, have a connection with each other. So for me, it was really exciting because it created this sense of community thousands of miles away. And again, I'm going to say the same thing. The students at Charles Drew, they decided that they, at such an early age, and we're talking about elementary school kids, they saw a need. They saw the kids in South Africa from the pictures not having shoes uh, in some of the some of the smaller schools, not having shoes, some of them having issues with clothing and things like that. They decided to do the clothing drive and send it over to them. So I was just really excited about that. As far as mm-hmm. the projects with quilts and the seniors, um, I've been mm-hmm. working with them, with uh, doing this type of stuff now for several years. So it's been different locations that I've been doing it. Um, I did a project in Alaska, actually, doing a similar thing. Um, and currently, most of the projects that I've been doing now have either been the quilt projects with seniors and young people, but also because of the shelter-in-place, uh, through Dr. Charles Drew, I did a project where young people at um, Meadows Livingstone School in San Francisco mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. called seniors and did interviews over the phone. Mm-hmm. So they got the history, the information from seniors. And the thing is, it created this beautiful exchange because, you know, we're talking about everybody was shut in for like three months. So a lot of the Mm -hmm. seniors, you know, they didn't have access to getting out or seeing people. These young people would call them up, ask them questions about their life and history, and it created this dialogue. And and also it kind of, you know, created this excitement and this interest. Mm -hmm. And all of those interviews, if you'd like to see it, you can go to the Dr. George W. Davis Senior Center website. And you can click on, you'll see intergenerational blog. It's right on the front page. You click on that, and you can actually see these interviews. So that's been really, you know, the type of work that's been really happening. And it's really been on a, you know, a a need basis. It's really the community needs these things. It's not so much that I'm just thinking of these projects. It's just (laughs) events happen, and then you have to be, as an artist, you have to be flexible and be able to, kind of, or, you know, go to the charge when it happens and be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that is so, that is so awesome because uh, with the elders, oh, man, they are, like, on serious lockdown. Like, the families can't visit because, you know, they're, they're um, a, you know, real high-risk um, population because they're elders and, you know, we don't want to make them sick because you could have the, the virus and not even know it. So, yeah, so people are feeling really isolated and alone. Um, you know, thank goodness there, you know, there's the technology so that people are learning how to to do um, uh, Zoom and Facebook Live with their families, which is great. Um, but, yeah, oh, that is really, really awesome. Yeah, very, very Goodbye. wonderful the way, yeah. 
you just said one thing, and I, I definitely have to say this because this is what I'm really proud of. So mm-hmm. at Dr. Davis, um, we have, you know, people that are really, you know, innovative, coming up with really innovative ways. So we do have um, we have uh, a yoga teacher by the name of Amando who is actually doing Zoom yoga classes for seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. We also have a gentleman by the name of Michael Bennett who's at Dr. George W. Davis. He has been organizing, um, he calls it Dance Off Diabetes and Tai Chi. So every mm-hmm. Wednesday at 10 a.m., in the front of Dr. Davis. Now, everything is outside. I want to be very clear. Everything is outside. People are more than six feet apart from each other and all wearing masks. But Mm -hmm. he provides a teacher to do aerobic exercises with seniors. We're all distanced out. And he Mm -hmm. does these exercises. So the seniors are able to do that and then there's another teacher, uh, Miss, another a person at Dr. Davis, Miss Classy Kennedy, who's actually doing distance walking with the seniors. So nice. it's beginning to be this thing where you come in and, of course, you have to you follow the rules, keep your distance, wear your mask, but you're able to get some exercise and get out so you're not just uh, become a shut-in, which, you know, as mm-hmm. we know for many seniors, if they become a shut-in, that can lead to death. Mm-hmm. So I had to yeah. mention that. It's some good stuff happening. Yeah, that's great. Um, however, you know, there there aren't some seniors, you know, they're, they're actually staying in, um, you know, sort of like um, senior with boarding care kind of facilities, not that they're in um, skilled nursing, but they're not able to, to go to, let's say, a place like, you know, uh, Dr. George W. Davis. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they can, like I have a friend who's in Oakland, and, you know, they bring the meals to the door, <laughs> you know. They're not yeah, having you're right. you're right. meals anymore. Um, they're not having any film nights, even though they could be socially, not socially, but physically distanced. But it's an indoor thing, and outdoor is better. So, you know, she walks yeah. around. She does her, her, her weight stuff in the weight room, but there's no social anything happening except – you know, what is arranged by her family, and they're not able to visit her. They're like, no visits. So, yeah, so once yeah. again, you know, the kind of thing where getting phone calls, doing Zoom, doing Facebook Live, you know, for church, um, you know, all any of that, which is not the same thing as a physical presence, is better than just being isolated. So these phone calls that these young people were making, you know, um, to elders who might not have been able to get to the exercise, whatever, um, or to the class, that's really great. Or or just if they are, that's just one more connection, which is really, you know, an intentional connection, which is wonderful. Yes, yes. No, thank you. You're right. It's it's exciting. It really is exciting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm just – as an artist, I feel very blessed because I feel like it forces my art to take on a, a, a larger dimension than just, you know, just the, the, the standard expectations of art. You know, it, for me, my success with my, in my art is where it impacts the community. That's really important to me. So I feel very mm-hmm. blessed. And thank you for saying that, Wanda. 
Right, sure. And um, I wanted to ask you um, in our in our closing minutes if you could let us know who Dr. Um, George W. Davis is was, and and then I wanted you to talk a little bit more about about these portraits. Um, uh, you know, there's like you've got, you know, um, the drawings, and then you've got, you know, they're like black and white. You know, really, really strong features. And, um, and you know, you really just think of like you can see the eyes, like these girls are holding a bowl, and and one of them has a red cross on on her her um, uh, her dress. And I was just sort of reminded of you know um, Marcus Garvey's The Black Cross, right? Those those yes, women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. and then you know you already mentioned you know the red thread um, sort of that 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 through line on these various pieces and. And you know your training is in furniture. Like, wow, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, like, okay. All right. I mean, I know you still do make furniture too, because you know mm-hmm. your house is a museum, uh, <laughs> and you make Thank your you. frames and all of that. It's just, and then I think about the neon light, you know, and and how you highlight, um, you know, you use that sort of like to um, to memorialize, you know. Um, the lives of those who've departed in a lot of your work. Mm-hmm. I remember that was the first time I saw that at Dia de los Muertos. I'm like, you were telling us a story about these little these little boxes, you know, sort of like dioramas, and and this neon. Like, okay, this is interesting and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. So anyway, I'm asking you a whole lot, making a whole lot of comments. No. So you take whatever you like of all this. <laughs> no, thank you. Well. I'll tell you briefly. So Dr. George W. Davis was a visionary. Um, He is no longer with us. He did pass away. But his vision was to really ensure care for his community. Um, He focused heavily in the Bayview because he saw all of the displacement, and he knew how the gentrification impacted, in particular, the black community. So uh, his vision was to create the George W. Davis, Dr. George W. Davis Senior Center, and that's on Carroll Street in the Bayview. So his, the dream was to create housing and also a facility for activities. Um, so his dream, before he passed away, it came to fruition. It actually happened. So it's a beautiful living space on one side. On the other side, um, it's it's activity space. We have a cafeteria. Uh, the food is amazing. They have a courtyard space so seniors can sit in the sun. There could be activities out in the sun. And they do all of this stuff from steel drumming, art classes, exercise classes, I mean, you name it. They have a little gift shop. So it's a lot. So that's a quick version um, of Dr. Davis, and unfortunately, I'm sure someone could give much more information than I could, but I just wanted to sum it up. Yeah, he was definitely a visionary in our community. Um, oh. The other thing... Um, is, was he, one more thing, was he um, a person of African descent? He was, yes, yes. He, he was a, he was uh-huh. an African-American man, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, is he, he a med- medical man. doctor um, or a PhD he, doctor? He, like, he was... He was a PhD doctor. Okay. Yeah. What, what was and his discipline? I don't know actually what his discipline was in, um, mm-hmm. but I do know that he was 
I meant acknowledged by from Nancy Pelosi to you name it. They all knew him. And uh, if you if the Dr. Dave, when the Dr. Davis Center opens up, uh, once this pandemic is ended, you can go in and we have uh, like a quiet room in the center, which actually has all of the information about him. It's like a library open to the public. Mm-hmm. And it has all of the awards, all of the things that he received throughout the years. And we're talking about several walls just filled with all of these, uh, you know, plaques and acknowledgments and accomplishments that he did throughout his life. So it's amazing. I mean, he was not sitting around at any point in his life. It's obvious. He was working 24 hours a day to get his dreams to, to, to bring them into actuality, and he made it happen. Oh, yeah, I just, um, I just found him. Um, he, he grew up here in the Bay. He, he, uh, he grew up in uh, Oakland and Richmond, California. And, um, wow, he, um, wow, yeah, I'm going to link to this so people can learn about more about him. Yeah. yeah. Introduce me to uh, somebody over there, and I could have the person on my radio show to talk more about Dr. Davis and this wonderful um, center that he built. Kathy and that's Davis still, you know, this the, institution. Hmm? Yeah, Kathy Davis is the executive director and his wife. Um, okay. I could definitely, I, w- I would link you to her. Yeah, you can talk to her. Um, she, she, can, she would give you much more information than I could ever give you. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, w- we would lo- I would love for that to happen. Oh, that'd be super. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. Okay, the second part of my my rambling. <laughs> no, no. And, oh, and the other thing is uh, you asked me about the drawing. Do, do yes, you want me to, yes. do we have time for me? Yes. So the, so um, the yeah, drawing. Yeah, um, we've got a few minutes. My other guest is in the studio, but, yeah, I definitely want you to um, sort of talk a little bit more about the drawing and about the the neon. Mm-hmm. So the drawings are, um, you know, I always had a love for drawing, and these are portraits of people that are either family or connected to family or people that have impacted me personally. So, um, you know, I keep it, I try to keep it very clean and very basic. You know, it's just basic black and white, you know, whether I use pen and ink or pencil and on paper um, it's just very, I try to keep it very stark and almost a graphic effect, you know, so it jumps out at you. And the red thread really creates kind of the, 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 the push for me. Um, and that is always hand-sewn. So um, it creates this really graphic effect, and you have this red. A lot of times I do the backgrounds with the red thread. I go in and sew it in. And I I tell people it's always the same stitch, and it was a stitch that my grandmother taught me. And my grandmother told me when I was a little boy that I'm going to teach you this one stitch, and she said that you can, once you learn this stitch, you can always take care of yourself. You'll know how to fix your clothes. you know how to sew your socks if they get holes in it. You won't have to depend on anybody to do it for you. You'll know how to sew with this stitch. So it's a basic stitch, and I do it every time. So when I sew in these pieces, I, it reminds me of my grandmother. So that's the other thing. As far as the neon, the neon, um, for a while, I was producing these pieces. They were like suitcases or these, these kind of uh, wooden structures I would build. 
because I really noticed when I first came to San Francisco in certain communities, I saw so many African-Americans walking around with suitcases. And I didn't understand until I realized that they were living in these suitcases, a lot of them. They were homeless, and that's all they had. And so I started to actually ask questions and really interview people and finding out that these are people that were strong, had strong roots in the communities that they were living in. They were professionals. Some of them had, you know, various things happen. They they had long histories in these communities. But because of displacement with gentrification and other things, they ended up homeless. So I started to produce these, these pieces. So, and so many of them would have titles like soldier, father, teacher, because these were people that were pillars to the community. And I had to put, I wanted people to, the viewer to know that these people were powerful, important people, even though we're trained to, if you see a person who's homeless, you just walk right by or you just ignore them. So that's why I wanted to, to create something where it stands out. So the neon gave it that pop. So when you look at the pieces, you have, there's no way to avoid. When you plug in a neon piece, you're going to notice it. And so that's why I started to use the neon in the work. Oh, wow. Wow, William. How? This has been really a wonderful conversation. Why don't you give um, give everyone your your website again so that they can um, uh, make sure that they remember um, sort of you know the um, the double feature you know in the windows at the African American Art and Culture Complex on Fulton where they can see your work um, through um, and Malik Seneferu's work through July third um, Threaded Souls. Uh, the Threaded Souls um, work, as well as Friday, no, Saturday, the opening of this other exhibit, um, which you can give us the name of again because it's not right in my Yes, my- the Reimagined <laughs> Quilt. Yep, it's going to be the virtual unveiling of the Reimagined Quilt, at, and it's going to be through Instagram, um, Instagram at wisehealthsf.com, uh, but that, um, that's at 2 p.m. this Saturday. But, yes. Uh, my website is www.williamroseart.com, and the exhibition at the African American is called Threaded Souls of San Francisco, uh, Black Narratives of Americans, and it's my work along with Malik Zaneferu, and you can, send, you can see it through the windows on Fulton Street. Right. And, and as you go out, I want you to um, call the names of the elders whom um, you mentioned are no longer with us that are part physically with us. Um, they've transitioned that are part of this exhibition. Uh, Mr. Ned, um, the, there's a gentleman, he goes by the name of Mr. Popcorn. <laughs> and many people in the community would know him by name. Um, and there's another man by the name of Mr. Johnson that are, that's on the quilt. And there's been, and I, and I uh, hope I'm not insulting anyone. There are two other seniors, but I, their names I cannot remember, but they were also included in the quote, and they have passed on as well. But I'd like to honor them as well. So there are four, four, sure. um, four, four um, members of the community that are part of this art 
exhibition that are now ancestors? Yes, yes. Wow, what what great work, William. Oh, my goodness, I'm so happy to know you. This is wonderful. Thank you. So happy to know you, Wanda. To keep doing it, man. You are a blessing <laughs> to our community. I mean it. Uh, well, thank you. Well, I'm going to try to catch catch you all on Saturday. Um, I have to put that in my book so I can tune in to Instagram So because I've never done an Instagram thing before, so I can be at the un- unveiling. <laughs> thank you. All righty, cool. Well, again, congratulations on all these wonderful projects of keeping our people connected. That's really important because, you know, we are we are people that are relationship people, and we don't want anyone to feel isolated, particularly our elders who have such gifts to share with us. You know, they're like encyclopedias. They're history books. And it's so wonderful, you know, that you're connecting young people with elders um, and and, you know, sort of in sharing, you know, these connections with the public in these wonderful art projects and art exhibitions and things like that. So, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hope you have a good day. Okay, you too. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Good morning, Ava. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for sticking in there. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. So, um, gosh, Ava, Ava Square, uh, Levias, um, you gave me a really long bio. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because I knew you would add, just pull out what you wanted. <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I'll read a little bit. I mean, you know, you are just such a, wow, you are a woman that, is has like so so many multiple talents, um, but you know you're a mother and a grandmother, <laughs> an editor and teacher, a presenter, a performance artist, a poet, and a documentary filmmaker. Oh my gosh, you are such a yeah, great filmmaker. Yeah, wait, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> that's what tells you everything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we're both Gemini's. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're Gem. Just we're like June you, Gemini's, we're... right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm May, and you're you're, you're May. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You start. Yeah, you kick it off, and I'm at the end of it. Like there, there's no more Gemini after me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh. Hey, who yeah. better than you? <laughs> Thank you. And and yeah, and I met you, you know, because uh, you're also a dance teacher and a wonderful, wonderful choreographer, and that's how I met you, you know, in one of your classes yes. way back when in Berkeley. And I'm like, yes. it was such a wonderful experience that I have. <laughs> never forgotten it and I can still see the studio and the room and you oh. and I don't know I don't know what kind of you know, like where what country we were in or where we were, you know, um, you know, stylistically. I just remember <laughs> it just felt like a healing moment. I was so happy to be there and then the class ended. The well That's it moved beautiful. I don't know where it moved to and right. And I was right. like, Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was just wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. that was a great time. It was. It was, it was. And and you've appeared also in many short films and film productions, and you filmed many dissertation defenses, and you actually filmed our, um, uh, uh, what is it, um, Hurricane Katrina report back uh, and fundraiser That's right. that we had mm-hmm. uh, in 2005. Yes. And, uh, yeah, yeah, because we were raising money to to send money to folks that, um, had uh, physical disabilities 
we were like right. co- collaborating with um, the uh, what is it the um, organization here uh, Center for Independent Living, and they're mm-hmm. all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to connect with the Centers for Independent Living in New Orleans and in Houston, where they were sending our people. You know, they were shipping them all over the place. Right, like, it was slavery it was again, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, what's the Jamaica? What is the the Brazil connection to? Shipping people to the East Coast, to Boston, and and then and then they can't get home, right? So it was like it was right. really like it was it was so yeah, it was like a, a moment of, of insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I and I I think some of our people, you know, they never got back home and they never recovered, and and families, you know, they say that people got back together that they split up, but who knows, right? We can't trust that is the that, truth. That, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And then That's they were, why we have to do kill- our own research. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. you you documented that for us, and that was really wonderful. And then yeah. your film um, "Sacred Space" featuring uh, Queen Holland's founder of uh, Earth Lodge Center for Transformation, you know, was right. featured in the Queer Mem- Women of Color uh, Film Festival 2012, right. and it was purchased by Cabrilla College in Southern California for their library. So that's wonderful. Yes, it was. And you know, that was a great yeah. honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody needs to purchase it. And, and it's so wonderful that, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you can watch it for free. Uh, we need to, we need to find out where we can buy it because I'd like to own a copy. <laughs> oh, okay. Just let me know. <laughs> oh, I'm letting you know. So, like, tell me, tell me how <laughs> okay, to do it. <laughs> uh, I will get right back to you about that. You would have to email me. If anyone is interested in that, they can email me at squarelevias at gmail.com. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you, um, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, yeah, you uh, you have taught beginning piano and music theory at the Oakland Public Conservatory of Music. And mm-hmm. as we already mentioned, that you um you are a work choreographer. You still are a choreographer, but you had your own company, Spirit Theater of Dance, and right. uh, and you co-founded a dance studio under the same name, Spirit Theater of Dance, and that must be where right. I came to class. That's where you <laughs> came. We had a lot going on. It was a beautiful time, So, and that mm-hmm. was a wonderful thing. A lot of community came through, you know, from my years of performing with Dimensions Dance Theater and the Aminokura and and all that. But, yeah, mm-hmm. times move on, and we go on to different projects. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, think about, you know, sort of in July, you know, the uh, the women's drum camp, you know, with Carolyn Brandy, and, and you're real central there as well, and you taught a class Right, born to summer. drum. Yes, born to drum. Born to yeah, drum. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful offering to the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, yeah. great women. Mm-hmm. And I had known that you received a scholarship to UC Berkeley's Young Musicians Program in junior high school <laughs> and studied voice, piano, flute with uh-huh. the legendary Philip Reeder and Lenora Black and Elizabeth Davison and John West. And later you studied piano with, um, with Ed the Kelly. Area legend. Yes. Ed Kelly, yes, he, yeah, I yes, his memory. Yes. Oh, and voice yeah. with Wendelin Williams and Jackie Harrison, who was wonderful, and yes. drumming with Edwina <laughs> Lee Tyler, Carolyn Brandy, whom we already mentioned, and Kamal Say to I shade to his memory. 
Okay. And you went to Zimbabwe in 1999 on a three-week journey. And, you know, we haven't even got to uh, talking about, like, why are we, why is she on the show today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. And and you're, um wow, you perform with so many different um, ensembles. And you're, um and you've gotten, uh, I'm going to let you talk, go back and talk about the ensembles that you've um Performed with, and uh, and you're also recipient of two grants from the California Arts Council for your work as founder and director of Spirit Theater Dance Company, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, co-founder and artistic director of Spirit Theater Dance Studio, um, and uh, you provided disciplines such as African dance and drumming and self-defense for women. We need to bring that back uh, in a virtual way. Yes, uh, Tai Chi <laughs> and children's summer program. Yeah, we should talk about that. And and you've also um done some work around around um community health, you know, particularly around STDs and uh and you were voted East Bay Express Newspapers Best of the Bay in nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety three. Like, whoa. And yeah, so now that was now that you, was our days. <laughs> yeah, and now you're working at uh Health and Human Resources Health Edu- Health and Human Resources Health Health and Human Resources Education Center in Oakland, HHREC. Right. Um, and you're the Technical Assistance Program Manager, and you've actually um, edited and published uh, a couple of uh, magazines. One was about about uh, about depression and and its effect on Black women. That was a really beautiful magazine. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And and any other publications that. Or right. projects that you want to highlight, you can definitely let our audience know, and also let them okay. know how they can take advantage of some of these wonderful um, offerings through HHREC, even in COVID nineteen, because you you all are still doing work there around. Yes, you know, we are. Black mental right. health and wellness. Mm-hmm. We are, and it was our Black Women's Media and Wellness Project that put out that wonderful magazine okay. around depression. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and. It's, it is still available, so folks can go to our website, which is www.hhrec.org, and that is the Health and Human Resource Education Center. Okay, cool, cool. And today and a, we're the, talking about, yeah. yeah, I didn't, so is it the 50th anniversary of um, of the, um Fiftieth Pride, um, yeah. For real? So I mean, happy like fiftieth like, Pride <laughs> for the fiftieth Pride in the country, or fiftieth Pride, like for real? Like it's only been fifty years. It's only been fifty years, but I mean, oh. we're talking about all the protests and demonstrations and stuff that that kicked off before that to bring about mm-hmm. this Pride celebration. So no, mm-hmm. the the uh, fight for for equality has been going on for, I guess, centuries, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. we, we oh. have, uh, yeah, the, in, in fact, the Alameda County Behavioral Health Office of Ethnic Services is promoting this wonderful and presenting this wonderful lineup, and it kicks off today, so we're very excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's a really wonderful lineup of of um of events. Why don't you talk to us about sort of what's 
going to be happening, um, you know, this week, uh, June 24th through June 30th. Okay. Well, uh, all week long we have free comedy. Everything is free. We have films, a wonderful dance party. We have a slideshow that was uh, put together just for this event. And like I said, 24-7 films from uh, Frame Line, and everyone knows about the award-winning Frame Line. And then we have films from Saturday through Tuesday from the equally prestigious Queer Women of Color Film Festival. So for two days, Saturday and Sunday, they will do an encore performance of uh, or showing of their film festival. That was mm-hmm. just concluded about a week ago, and it was wonderful. So, yeah, starting today, we have um, comic Samson McCormick, and he starts at 1 o'clock with uh, Represent Black LGBTQ Representation in Media, and that's an open community discussion. So we invite folks to come on and, and say something, talk to him. And I want to give you this email right quick because folks can get more information and they can actually be, be sent the link directly to their email. If they email me at tacdl.hhrec at gmail.com, and they'll get all that information. But, yeah, we, we kick it off with um, Samson today at 1 with his open community discussion of black LGBTQ representation in media, and then he'll be back on that evening at 7 for his film screening of his comedy film called Church Boy, (laughs) and following that, he'll have a mini discussion. So, yeah, that's going to be wonderful. Now, tomorrow, we have the hilarious Karen Williams. So she is going to come on and have you rolling on the floor. (laughs) And she starts at 11 with her humor and healing comedy Mm -hmm. workshop. So she's going to give you some some tips on how to stay sane in the the, uh, time of what we call call a Miss Rona. In the time of Miss Rona. (laughs) And then she'll be Mm -hmm. back on at 3 with her comedy performance. So Right back to back, we have two days of comedians. Now, on Friday, we're going to have this wonderful dance party with DJ Lamont Young, and we're going to have the wonderful musician, if everybody knows who Coffee Brown is, she's going to be hosting. So he has a wonderful uh, party with balloons and the lights and all that good stuff prepared for us. That's going to be fun. And it starts at mm-hmm. 8.30 on Friday. Um, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have that encore of Quackmap Film. And that's going to be open for 48 hours. Saturday and Sunday, people can sign on at their leisure. They can come back later and watch it again. You know, they can uh, do a watch party with their friends <laughs> and watch together. And then on Monday and Tuesday, we have Quack Map coming out stories. So, again, that will be available 48 hours, and folks can uh, sign on. Um, now, I didn't mention the slideshow. Well, I did mention it, but I didn't say it in detail. So the slideshow will be up throughout the duration, and so will Frame Line Film. 
So mm-hmm. 24-7 for the whole week, you can sign in and you can watch the films and you can watch the slideshow. So the one, wonderful thing about it, um, you want to get your friends in on this, you know. So I'm going to ask people to give them my email again, and it's at T-A-C-B-L dot H-H-R-E-C at gmail.com, and I will send them a personal invite. Nice, nice, yeah. Oh, this looks really great. This is really, really great. Um, Yeah, and it's so wonderful, um, you know, that it's all free and it's all accessible, which is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a lot of work went into this. A lot of work, and we actually have another partner, the Soul of Pride, mm-hmm. who is also helping us uh, promote this and putting it out there. So, yes, we're very excited. Mm, yeah. Oh, cool. So so people can watch. Um, wow, there's a whole lot. This is great. So you can watch the movies. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Um, yeah, you can watch the movies beginning today, too, from um, – from frame line. That is so cool. From frame line. Wow. And wow. we have, let me say this, we have feature films and shorts from frame line. So we have films mm-hmm. that are an hour and a half long, you know. Now, Quack Map, their format is usually shorts. So you got 20 mm-hmm. minute films there. So, yeah, it's something for everybody. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, um do you want to um do you want to highlight any particular films um, since you probably know them all? You know what? I'm not going to highlight them, but I will say that we just have a variety of films. We have some films that um, are on, you know, Native American experiences like Maroney for President. That's a wonderful film. Um, we have films that talk about um, mental health challenges, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a drag king extravaganza, <laughs> and that's a wonderful documentary that examines drag as performance art. So mm-hmm. it's something here for everyone. A Great Ride is, is wonderful, and actually it features one of our um, Bay Area lesbians and and her her take on what she's doing in her life so that that's a good one and yeah people should go on and just scroll down look at the films look at the descriptions and you know choose what interests them you know what speaks to them hmm. mm-hmm. yeah you even have um you know a film unboxed um that's uh from australia right that's true. That's true. And and I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um uh, I yeah. like the title of this one um by Sheila J. Wise, a different kind of black man. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it is it's good. It's really good to be sharing these these films with the community because a lot of people don't have any idea, you know. What's mm-hmm. happening in, in these these different communities um, across the, the globe? Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. a good thing. We, you know, we have filmmakers from all over the place, from all perspectives, and that just makes it so engaging. Mm-hmm. 
Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to um you want to give any shout outs to some of our, you know, some of the uh gay um you know, sort of um, ancestors or folks that um you want to sort of maybe lift lift their names up while wow, 50 years. Wow, that's 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 really something. And 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 why 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 is it so important, you know, to to have a month you know, to celebrate, um, you know, gay pride. Right. Uh, let me see. Well, it's, it's always important to be recognized and be seen, right? We want to be visible. We want to, for the community to acknowledge and also accept that these are these are rich contributors to society. So, that's why we march and that's why we demonstrate and that's why we get out there and, and do what we need to do. Um, as far as a shout out, let me see who would I shout out. Oh, you well, I was just thinking it. about Audre <laughs> Lorde and, uh, and James Baldwin. <laughs> well, yeah, James Baldwin comes to mind because I just watched his, his movie again, Not Your Negro, and of uh, course yeah. uh, Audre Lorde and Lorraine Hansberry and uh, who else comes to mind? Oh, oh, you yeah, got me. Bye, <laughs> uh, Yeah, Betsy Smith. I'll come. Yeah, it'll come up. Oh, yes, absolutely. And you keep going. You know my brain is fried this early in the morning. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I have to. I have to put it in the Google engine. Let's see. Um. <laughs> well, we have our. Um, who am I thinking of? Yeah, my brain I was, is. I was thinking about people fried. that are are here in you know like Bay Area people too. Yeah, cause it um, you know, we sort of look at that history. It looks, it's really, it was rough, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and we and we know all all the struggles. So, um, yeah. how about mm-hmm. some of our advocates here, like Melanie Demore? You know, she's one of our mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. world, you know, international representatives who such a great music musician. She's a conductor. She's a songwriter. She's always doing something with someone, collaborating. And of course, she works with Mary Watkins, who's also been in the community doing her work for years. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Alvin Ailey. Yes, uh huh. Alvin Ailey with his the Alvin Ailey. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Gladys Bentley. <laughs> yeah, you got On me. The Harlem Renaissance. Me. <laughs> right, the Harlem Renaissance. <laughs> Here you go. Lengthy and you, we can go way back. We can go way back. Yeah. So this people might, you know, get more intrigued and um 
you know, do some research. Um, I didn't even know that Barbara Jordan was uh, was a part of the community. Oh, Barbara Jordan, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. Now, yeah. Yeah, we, and that's the thing. We are everywhere, whether mm-hmm. we came out <laughs> um, when we were here or it was, you know, kind of came to the front after we passed and, and it was no longer considered something that needed to be held as a secret. So Yeah, and then Marsha P. Johnson. Yeah. She had a um performed with the drag performance troupe Hot Peaches from nineteen seventy two to ninety. And uh and she was an activist uh with AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power um act up. Yeah. Not to mention all the and folks Bayard. that are... Mm-hmm. Bay- yeah, Baird Reston. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, cool. And I, you know what? I, I didn't... Well, I was going to say I didn't know that Nell Carter was was gay until afterwards, so I just may have not been in the loop Mm-hmm. Yeah. After yeah. her death, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's something about you know um, being a person of African descent, you know, being a Black American, that um, you know the way that I've noticed our community that's you know also gay, um, you know, it just you know, you're still a part of the black community. It's not like you're against this particular part of the community or against that part of the community. So there's a different kind of way that that folks seem to move as people of African descent, as black people, um, where so you might not know that because there's there's a whole lot right. more to the person than just that um, aspect of their lives, you know. So um, and sometimes, you know, other things take precedent, you know, being black, right, right, because <laughs> that's that's yeah, the presenting right. thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I didn't kill you because you're gay. I'm killing you because you're black. <laughs> you know, right. I'm doing this to you because you're black. It's like, no, it's right. like I didn't even know you right. were gay. You just you're a black person. Right? You're an African American <laughs> man or an African American woman. You know, that's the that way you're presenting, so right? <laughs> that's so true. That's mm-hmm. so and true. Then, but yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then now we know, can't. Yeah, wanna... we can't leave out Alice Walker too, and you know our uh, contemporaries, yeah. Angela Davis. Well, they, well, they're and... well, they're alive. Yeah, we're talking about Alice. Right. Well, Angela, I mean, in the yeah. <laughs> yeah, but oh, totally. You know, the people that are still, you know, with us, of course, of course. You know, Melanie and yeah, Alice and... Walker. Mhm. And yeah, so we. We are and, still and and Ava, <laughs> you know, and the Ava right here with and Ava. Yes, yeah. and yeah, you are such a such a shining star, Ava. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I am in a. It seems like I had my my godmother was born on leap day, and so every four years she said her life would change and would go to a, into another <laughs> arena. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm in a different arena now with the Health and Human Resource Education Centers because as an artist, I've always been moving and creating. And now I'm kind of sitting behind 
a computer and doing this work. So it, it's it's different. Mhm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So give out that um, information on how people can get the details to their mailbox. Yes, they can email me, Ava, A-V-A, at T-A-C-B-L dot H-H-R-E-C at gmail.com. Okay. And and I asked you if you could send me um, the... uh, the flyer calendar um, as a JPEG, and then I can post it with the show, and people can just click on things, make it a lot easier. Okay. Uh, but I, I can't do that with the uh, PDF, but I can do it if you change the format for me. Right, got you. Okay, cool. And and you can send me um, your email, too, that you just gave folks, and I'll put that in the description as well for the show. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Cool, cool. And um and I'm going to um I'm gonna play after after our um our conversation something from the archives uh from six years ago. It was uh Thomas Allen Harris's uh we had a conversation about his uh through a lens darkly, black photographers. That was mm-hmm. a part of Frame Line thirty eight. And so this was uh this was aired uh June twenty first quite a while ago. <laughs> Yeah, so I, thought right. be, I thought it'd be nice, you know, to the connection, you know, frame line then and frame line now. So okay. wow, so frame line is forty something now. <laughs> uh, yes. So yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So it started right right around the same time that um uh that the uh gay pride month started. Yeah, I and I think you know when opportunities open up, there there are people who've already been doing work that jump and seize, you know, the moment, mm-hmm. and and that's and we're seeing that now. It's just a wonderful explosion of people coming to the front and and taking that leadership. It's great to see. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I was wondering, um, sort of in closing, if you could maybe reflect on. Uh, sort of when you think about, you know, 50 years of um, gay pride, uh, you know, sort of out in the open, right, being a public thing that, you know, municipalities are, are celebrating with parades and mm-hmm. all kinds of honoring people in the community and, you know, just, you know, people don't have to be in, in closets anymore or on shelves or, you know, like sort of worrying about their safety I mean, that is still the case. Right. Um, think yeah. about, you know, uh, the trans community, right? It's like, oh, man, the violence is just horrific. I mean, people are just yeah. getting, you know, killed, like, and hurt, um, mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit. Um, but despite all that, you know, people are still being their, their authentic their selves, you know, being brave enough to, like, not let that push down who they are which I think is really admirable. Because I was wondering if you could just maybe reflect in closing on just sort of, you know, okay, it's 50 years now. Sort of, hmm, what, what do you want to, what are you, what are you most proud of? What, what are you most thankful for? Hmm, that's interesting. I, I came out in 1990, you know, so this has been about 30 years. I think the most encouraging thing is that there are so many different organizations 
and especially with um, like Alameda County Behavioral Health Office of Ethnic Services, there's a place in this whatever you want to call it, infrastructure where folks are looking out for these communities, for our communities, and getting that funding, you know, putting that money out there where we can do things for the community and do more reach out, do more programming, do more workshops, giving artists opportunities to to push their formats, and, and that's very good. And we see a lot of schools embracing programs for their students. So that that is something we've come a very long way um, and a long way to go because we still have a lot of students who are fearful of even going to those places in their schools <laughs> because, um, yeah, we still need more protection and, you know, we need we still need more education and I see it going in a really good place. But as you said, the trans community is is – always been hard hit and and it still is so we have to get out there again in ways that will bring this consciousness raise this consciousness around the country and around the world um and it's i think it's also about um the laws you know that that are applied and letting people know that this this is not going to be accepted, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So Definitely. I'm I'm really encouraged by by what I see coming coming out so boldly, you know. I've got the LGBTQI2S and gender non-conforming community. Mm-hmm. We are a force to be reckoned with, and it is our time uh, as as we go forward. We definitely want those following us to have a much easier walk through this life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your work, you know, because all of your life seems to be one of service, you know. Um, it's not just about Ava. It's about Ava yeah. well. <laughs> using your gifts to help community, you know. So that's, that's uh, really beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm a collaborator and um, – Volunteer. I'd love to volunteer and help different organizations. So yeah, that that's that's what I do. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I will see. I will see you at the party on Friday, and I will see you at the oh. movies. Uh, maybe you can invite me to one of your watch parties, and uh, yeah, I'll see you at the comedy event. And the exercise, and there's something at one o'clock. I got to put all this stuff in my calendar. <laughs> and I yes, definitely want to go. Over, yeah, and I want to see all those, you know, the the women of color films, you know, in the film festival. I love the queer women of color film festival. So I'm really happy that ah, it's so easy, you know, when it's virtual. It's like, oh my God, I have to go it to San Francisco to the women's building. <laughs> it is, I know. <laughs> and it's so easy to share. So, you know, I'm going to give you that, that uh, email again, T-A-C-B-L.H-H-R-E-C okay. at com. Right. And yeah. you're going to have you to email- bring me on again. <laughs> oh, totally. Did you email me yes. um, that? Okay, cool. I'll post it for people. Excellent. Cool. Well, Alva, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for getting up early to talk to us. We appreciate it. (laughs) 
Thank you yeah. for the advice. It's been wonderful. Yeah, and tell, sure, and tell all of the team, you know, that's put together this wonderful program, you know, Havari over at um, Alameda County Behavior Health. Um, right. And, uh, and all your and other R-E-D Collette. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Right, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wanda. I appreciate it. Sure, and it's so cool. Like when I looked at the slideshow today, because it, it it's it's open now. Um, like yes. who do I see? I see I see you. I see Colette. I see Havari. It's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right, right. Yeah, those are nice photos. And then and it's Oakland Pride 2019, and it shows the community that diversity and just all the beauty mm. that's in our community. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna close out as I mentioned with this um, conversation with um, the director of a film that was a part of Frameline uh, six years ago. And, You're right. Uh, yeah. Mhm. All right. You take care. Thanks again. All right. You're welcome. Peace and blessings. To you too. Thanks. So we're gonna play this really wonderful conversation with um, Thomas Allen Harris about his film, and um, and I just wanted to lift up the name of uh, Jonathan Eubanks because, you know, he's an ancestor now, and I remember when the film was, I think it was at the Roxy, and and Jonathan was there and some of the other photographers, and it was just so wonderful seeing the film, and then Jonathan, he spoke, he was a part of a panel, and, you know, he's an ancestor now, really wonderful, wonderful man, what a gift to the community. So we're going to close like this, and please join us again for another edition of Wanda's Picks on Friday morning, 8 o'clock Pacific Time, a.m., and we are going to feature the cast of Race, uh, the David Mamet uh, play that um, had a, um, a run Friday through Sunday. Friday was live, and it was a part of the San Francisco Recovery Theater and uh, it was directed by Jeffrey Greer, and it was a really wonderful production. So I'm really happy that the cast is available to talk to those of you who might have missed it. Um, and hopefully um, it will be available at least, um, you know, online, unless they might. They might actually do a do an encore performance, which would be really super. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, wow, the film was, was such a wonderful history uh lesson and and it was so great to see so many of my favorite photographers you know uh in the film you know um Deborah Willis um you know definitely and then Hank uh I I know both of them uh because Hank and my my younger daughter were at CCAC together Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and and Deborah actually um, exhibited Tassine and in many of in many of her her exhi- exhibitions here, and also I think one in Philadelphia. Um, my daughter's Tassine Sabir, and um, and then Vayate, and I'm sure you probably know Vayate. He was also at CCAC, and he's a good friend of Hank's, and they're both in the Oakland Museum in the permanent uh, gallery in in the um, art and history gallery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then Jonathan Eubanks, he's a good friend of mine, love Jonathan, and um, and Gordon Parks, I mean, he's phenomenal, and got a chance to meet him when he was here, my daughter was in an art exhibit that showcased Bay Area black photographers as a part of the um, Half Past Autumn, 
that was oh yeah yeah and she was the official wow. photographer uh, and she was still in at, at in college at that time so um yeah it's just and then some of the other photographers i've seen them in ex- exhibitions and it's just just a beautiful document and then i love you know the story your story that you take cuz you know the journey that you're taking as as an image maker and and you know going back between historic and the present and the future it's just beautiful how long did it take you to make this film <laughs> oh my gosh well you know it took me 10 years plus mm-hmm. uh working on the film to you know to make the film um to find these archives you know and so you know it was, it was really a labor of love and of course you know this work is inspired and built off of the work of, you know, the, the amazing work of, uh, and pioneering work of Deborah Willis, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of uncovering so many of these um, African-American photographers and bodies of work and history. And um, and not only that, but also her, her um, it's, you know, in many ways the film is a celebration of her as, you know, as both a historian, but also as someone who put together and creates community and sustains community. You know, someone in the film, I think it's that would Bay says if it weren't for Deb Willis, uh, you know, many of us probably most of us probably would have disappeared. And so, you know, I met Deb you know, very early in my career when I was still a uh, still photographer. And so when she asked me to um create um uh, a film that was uh, around her book, Reflections in Black. You know, I um, I jumped on the opportunity. I'm also in the book with my brother, and um, and so you know, it was really the wrestling around the the, you know, the, the narrative is how to you know both um, create a, 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 a story that is uh, t- takes you th- that you know true to to Deb's work and to her vision, but that's also um, that's um, also um, uh, a, a kind of a, a narrative that people can follow. You know, that's that's not simply a kind of a um, an encyclopedic history, but that 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 activates the the, um, the history and talks about history or recontextualizes history as something which is a kind of um, uh, entity that you know could, could be impacted by the present moment. And so um, I was really interested as I did the research around the film and tried to kind of create a narrative, uh, you know, or various narratives in the film, how contemporary photographers and contemporary artists really were responsible for unearthing a lot of this, you know, both the, you know, the positive images that Deb was pioneering, but also, you know, in terms of African-American photographers, but also some of the negative stuff, you know, so that we could see that stuff and, you know, and really kind of bring a, a kind of healing uh, and, and a fresh perspective to to the to to these images, which which still inform how we see ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when um, the uh, the Reflections in Black uh, made its uh, national tour, and and when it came to Oakland, it was in three it was at three venues. It was at the African American Museum and Library. That's where the daguerreotypes were. And uh, and it was at the Oakland Museum, and there were some other daguerreotypes there as well. But each each um, location had a, a specific focus, like the years that is. And then and then there was Mills College, and they had like the future. You know, there were more um, contemporary uh, 
photographs and, and different types of, um, you know, sort of the way that the photographs were <clears throat> were uh, displayed or manipulated or, or um, created within the canvas. Um, and it was just, I went, I went lots of times <laughs> to see the exhibition. It was just like, wow, this is just so phenomenal. And, and and I kept on thinking, I need to, like, really soak this up because I don't know anything, anything like this is going to ever happen again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, wow, I've got to, now I've got to, like, look at your photographs and see, okay, you're, you and your brother were <laughs> were in. It's like, okay, i got to go locate you all. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, I was wondering, yeah, so this this film is like an homage to that particular work and and so what a great document that's what i kept on thinking as i as i looked at it and i said whoa look at all these wonderful photographers that we might not know particularly i love that section on the women photographers and um and and you know sort of what they they chose to um to frame you know, with their lens and this whole idea of of making a, a people and creating a community around around the image. And Carrie Mae Weems loved her. She used to be here in the Bay, and uh, you know, um, having you know the conversations with her on you know on screen were just really great. And I loved Hank coming in. And I remember that piece where you know uh, his his cousin was killed and um and and priceless. I remember that that particular exhibit um with that particular image in it. And I'm like, "Oh." So anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm talking and not letting you talk. Uh <laughs> I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, how, you know, you bring in, you sort of look at with Weems specifically is the way that black people are sort of objectified, um, you know, having the nude subject and and then but then she says, you know, the look at the eyes that they're looking right on at the camera, you know, normally people have but they have their eyes lowered, but their eyes are saying something entirely different from what their bodies might be depicting. Yeah, you know, I it it was um you know, I'm so inspired by the work of, you know, all of the, you know, photographers that, you know, um in the film and artists in the film and you know, my work has been in dialogue with theirs for a number of years, and um, and um, and you know, I mean, it's um, you know, so I was really interested in in kind of highlighting um, these moments uh, in um, that you know that caused this major kind of thing to happen. You know, in terms of um, thinking about how slavery you know, as Glenn Lagon says, impacts us today. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, know, fi- you know, so when Carrie Naveen you know, found the slave daguerreotypes uh, that were produced with, um, uh, in collaboration with uh, Agassiz, you know, the Harvard uh, uh, naturalist, um, I, you know, really wanted to, you know, show them because as you know, we did more kind of research around that, we realized that, that, you know, that's like, that's a family album. You know that's you know, but it's 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 seen not from the perspective of that family. It's seen from you know this other kind of perspective, a propagandistic perspective, and um, and so you know, for me, working on the film, you know, creating the narrative, the narrative became about the idea of the family album, and 
you know, the American family album, if, if, if one, if such a thing existed as a, as a document, you know, and, um, and one could argue, like, that Willis, you know, talks about in, in the film that, you know, that the family album is, in, you know, the, the, the books that came out on American photography, none of which had a black photographer in them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then when you don't have the, you know, the, when, you, when you're absenting the black photographers, you're also absenting the black family as we see ourselves or we have seen ourselves and and so you know that the hole in the family album then gets filled in with all these propagandistic images you know that are designed to justify you know a kind of exploitation and colonialism and uh, second-class citizenship you know uh, converted to african-americans first through slavery because photography started 20 years before slavery ended, you know, 20 plus years, and then afterwards, you know, through Reconstruction and then the kind of, um, the, uh, you know, the not quite citizen stage, you know, that lasted up until the 1960s, you know, so, so, um, so for me, the film was both about uh, the kind of uh, a meditation on the idea of the family album and, um, um, uh, yeah, meditation on the family album and, and seeing from these different perspectives because they are kind of like, um, it's kind of like a kind of, for me, a kind of a truth and reconciliation mm-hmm. of these images, you know, both the ones that are positive, you know, or I wouldn't say positive, but affirming, mm-hmm. and the other ones that, you know, that have, that, that were made to, um, to um, uh, deny uh, the humanity of the sitter, um, or, or you know, I, I mean, some of those, you know, the people in some of the images, the images are not singing, sitting, but they're swinging some trees, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, so that this idea of the family album is, is very potent because um, you had kind of you know at least two different types of family albums, two different tracks of family albums that, Af- that we as African-Americans have kept for ourselves, you know, whether they're literal books or on the walls. Um, and the, uh, the main, excuse me, Bless you. and the mainstream and how we, how we what the, the images that we occupy, uh, and, uh, the images of us, that occupy the mainstream family album or the you know, other family album, um, you know, the, the white, maybe the white family album, um, you know, which includes thousands and thousands, but not millions of images of, you know, um, of um, lynching and, um, you know, because they, you know, they were, they were sold and they, it was you know, part of the kind of the sport. And um, also the other images of the, um, you know, black face, black face, and you know, all these commercially produced images that you know were made for the entertainment of uh, the mainstream, uh, um, you know, without giving a, 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 a at the same time um, uh, dehumanizing the um, African Americans. So, so the film is a, a kind of war of images. And um, and just going back to your, your your previous point about the women photographers, mm-hmm. you know it's um, you know there were women photographers you know going all the way back. I mean Jeannie Ash's book Viewfinders actually documents this, and you know, she's found uh, black women photographers 
uh, back in the 1850s, if not slightly before, I think 1840s, you know, and um, and so um, part of the film is bringing together th- these different works, you know, whether it's uh, the works of the photographers slash academics like Jamie and Deb, or um, um, and and um, artists slash scholars Carrie Mae Weems, Lyle Ashton Harris, um, and how and having their works intersect through this kind of lens of you know through my lens you know trying to understand well you know how I see myself and um, the kind of ideas around redemption in terms of the legacy I've received, you know, from, from you know, my father and his absence, mm-hmm. and his absence, both literal absence in terms of growing up, you know, um, and, you know, kind of endemic, you know, in terms of, you know, black fathers, you know, and black sons, you know, and, and trying to, you know, have what the connection that's broken, you're trying, how do you, how do you, leapfrog that connection or or make a connection or try to understand compassionately you know a kind of, um, uh, the son to the father uh, but also his absence within the you know the family photographic album uh, both from the perspective of behind the camera or in front of the camera mm-hmm. yeah and and I really love I love the writing um, of, of the narrative um, and in your choices of music particularly the uh, amazing grace which sort of comes in and out and then at the end um there's a reprise um yeah the writing is really beautiful and and the question about um you know who's in the album and who's not in the album even though the family member might you know you know the family member exists but that family member for some reason you know that sister is you know of your father or of your auntie or whatever um is not in 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 the book but then you know the, the cousin is and and why did you know why was one person excluded and another person included that's really interesting um you know that that query that you 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 bring up and also the 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 void um you know of not having pictures you say that your your grandfather gave you and your brother uh, your first cameras and he was a photographer and then you give the history of of your you know your grandfather and and your great grandfather and how they were self you know your great grandfather was a self-made man and and then your grandfather I believe you say that he went to college and and he was a photographer um and and what he, and what he decided to take pictures of and then you sort of put him in sort of a uh, a generation of of image makers you know you talk about Sojourner Truth who was before them but um but within the generation I'm sure of the great grand of your great grandfather and and then you talk about W.B. Du Bois and knowing how important that was and and Booker T. Washington and then you show us these beautiful photographs oh my goodness they're so gorgeous and then that your um, I believe it was your grandfather and grandmother you, there's a photograph of them at their wedding taken by uh, James Van Der Zee and I'm like oh my goodness that is just all that's just so wonderful yeah, you know, this is actually the fourth uh, documentary. I don't know if you call it. I mean, they fall, they're documentaries, but mm-hmm. they're also yes. kind of more <laughs> memoir or, or mm-hmm. tour-driven kind of films. But it's the fourth one that I've made that, you know, and all of them have mined the, the two things. One is the family, the you know, African-American or African diasporic family. Mm-hmm. And the other is the archives and what we inherit, 
you know, in terms of the archive, and and actually, the, and the third thing is is speaking to one another, you know, because I was really interested in as writing the text for the film with my writing collaborators, um, co-writers uh, Don Perry and principally, and then Paul Carter Harrison, a uh, great dramaturg as well. Um, that you know, I'm speaking. I'm not. I, I wasn't interested in uh, you know a kind of explanatory documentary, mm-hmm. but I was interested in an engagement kind of um, kind of engagement dialogue, uh, where or dialogue, you know, with, within our community. Um, and you know, when I say us, it's not as exclusive but inclusive. You know, and um, so it wasn't about explaining you know, black people to this anonymous you know, <laughs> white audience, you know, white PBS audience. And, you know, I definitely knew that the film you know, at some point will be broadcast on PBS since we got PBS money. Mm-hmm. But it was really about, um, you know, a kind of speaking to a, a, the next generations, you know, that this is what we found thus far. And we're passing the baton off to you. You know, and, um, and, uh, you know, because, I mean, so much of this stuff, you know, I've discovered, we've discovered, I mean, uh, you know, Deb's, uh, Deborah Willis has taken, uh, she's been working, her lifetime has been devoted to, you know, this kind of discovery. You know, Anthony Barboza, uh, he, you know, you know, collected early photographers that enabled other scholars to do their work. You know, all these different, you know, people who've been doing all this amazing work. And then Smith, who, you know, did so much work around, um, around, um, um, I believe it's Pittsburgh and, um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, and, and following, uh, Charles T. Harris. Um, so, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of, um, a kind of, I think that I was thinking of organizing the film because, you know, it has a lot more people in it than a traditional documentary <laughs> film. <laughs> I was thinking of it as more of a chorus, ah. you know, rather than a kind of, um, a kind of, uh, you know, than, than a kind of linear thing. That this is like this this chorus where, you know, where you know we're not necessarily, it's, you know, uh, going in really in depth in any any particular body of work, but it's about our collect, it's about a collective dialogue. And this dialogue has been happening in different spaces, you know, a lot of cultural spaces, as you talked about, through, you know, the, the, the traveling show uh, around Deborah Willis's Reflections in Black or, mm-hmm. you know, or the work of, you know, Kenny Weems or, you know, Lyle Ashton Harris or, you know, um, uh, Frank Stewart, any, any of these, these, you know, and the uh, Kamungi, you know, uh, collective in, in, in New York or the various black Photography collectors around the country, or you know, and also in the in the in the in the, in the academy, in terms of um, looking at the lynching photographs, or looking at um, how um, uh, representation around issues around gender, uh, ideas around beauty, um, mm-hmm. and uh, absence and presence, and issues around also sexuality. So, you know, to the film, and, and also passing the ideas around yeah. race, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, so I was, you know, so I was trying to, like, you know, really, um, you know, because I took off the burden of having to explain things, it became this kind of more kind of lyrical kind of document, 
you know, that, that has a lot of open space, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, it, 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 it affects people because, uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know, people who might not be, quote-unquote, African-American because the film actually was shown uh, in Berlin where it was nominated for a Teddy Award, and, you know, there were, you know, we had packed audiences at every single one of the screenings, mm-hmm. and uh, people, you know, it's not even their history that most of the Ber- Berliners are watching the, the film, and out of that, uh, Karen Cooper, who is the head of Film Forum in New York, mm-hmm. saw the film in that audience, and she says, I, I'm going to offer you two weeks in New York, because if, if you know, if this audience is so, you know, enwrapped in, in, in this, this narrative, and it's not their history, then, you know, then you have something that's very special here. And so, um, and then, and then, and then, of course, just recently, we um, were awarded an African Oscar, an African African Movie Academy Award mm-hmm. in Yenagoa, Nigeria, for Best Diasporic Documentary. Mm-hmm. So, which is even you know more, um, <laughs> you know, uh, more of an honor, you know, that, mm-hmm. that across the diaspora, that this, you know, and, and on the continent, that this film has this special resonance, even though, you know, I have a certain specificity that I keep to in the film, mm-hmm. in terms of the narrative. Yeah, and, and when you were talking about, um, you know, sort of looking at uh, images and, and, um, and, and uh, I guess, really, um, I guess, exhibitions and things like that, uh, I guess one could say that, you know, sort of the... Uh, the spectacle of 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 the the lynching that that's also um uh an, an exhibition of a certain a certain kind um which shows the real horror and twisted um i guess um morality of of those that participate in that and and i love the uh the person who's commenting on you know, you wouldn't even know that someone was being killed until you look up. And that was, yeah, yeah it's like, wow, that was really powerful. And then um, you did mention that um, that uh, W.B. Du Bois, um, I guess, uh, curated uh, a wonderful exhibition of, of uh, black photographers. And, 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 um, and he said that when... Uh, Black, photo- black photograph was published, it needed to be a positive image. And I noticed how in the film there were a lot of images of black women, which was really nice. And then the the ex- exhibit that was curated by Booker T. Washington, who had, uh, who was the photographer for, um, for Tuskegee? Oh, um, yes, there were several, actually. Okay. Um, but the, the one in the film is... Um, and this is a lot of my head. Um, 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 let's see. Um, you know, there are hundreds of mm-hmm. references in the film. So yes, I, there are. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I can't believe it just, just flew out of my head. Um, Of course, I'm like overworking, so I'm not sleeping that well to my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's okay. Um, you think about it, and, and if it comes to you, you could tell me later. But I just wanted to mention that that particular scene in the film where you have these beautiful images, um, 
you know, at the um, was it the World's Fair in Paris or was it a Ben and Al? What 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 did they, what was it called? Yeah, it was a Paris exhibition of 1900. Yeah, yeah, and then so you've got these dignified black people, you know, framed in these wonderful portraits, and and then in the same um, venue uh, there are. African people, people, you know, that were brought from the continent that are held in cages, um, you know, really exploited um, as human beings for the amusement of, from what I could see, white spectators. And I'm like, wow, you know, so that juxtaposition of, of images, that was just, that scene is just like really powerful. Similarly, um, are the images that you show of the black military, you know, during uh, the Civil War, you know, mm. and, and as you, if people saw that more often, it's like, yeah, no, Lincoln didn't liberate us. We liberated ourselves. I, I like that comment. And, and you just see how the image can exist, but it can be manipulated, which means the story is, changes because of, of the image's absence or manipulation. Um and then, and then when you talk about how when photography becomes more commercial, what happens to the black image then? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit um, about, I was thinking um, about um, archetypes and, um, and, and how, and, and, and imagery and how that shapes the persona or, or the psyche of, of the, uh, the subject as well as um, the spectator, and how maybe through your own uh, work with the camera, uh, both moving and still, you've maybe uh, wanted, maybe you've been able to arrest or at least interrupt um, the process. Maybe maybe throw some static in there so that it's it's like the the, the uh, process where. <clears throat> The misinformation because becomes the truth is maybe like stopped for a moment so so the person can like look at it and think before they just swallow the the caricature as as the reality yeah well um no i I would say um first of all the um for me it's it's uh Um, it's been about trying to en- enlarge uh, the the vocabulary, mm-hmm. you know, the image vocabulary of who we are, um, and uh, and so much of that has to do with um, with um, like I, I sense that within the space of the family and uh, how we construct you know family and how we construct community. And how we reference things. You know, I grew up in the um, in the sixties and seventies, you know, and I um, just I saw a little bit of the end of the, the civil rights and the Black Power movement as a child, and then moved to East Africa with my mom when I was very young, and mm. and then I was raised by my um, uh, in part by my South African stepfather, who was part of the African National Congress, and yes, you know, so I watched you know, very close hand, uh, the, you know, liberation movements in Africa, 
uh, both when I was living in Tanzania and also when um, you know, my father was working, my step, the South African father was working uh, towards the liberation together with my mother and this whole community of South African uh, um, exiles and freedom fighters mm-hmm. towards the liberation of South Africa. And so, you know, so I've been very invested in being, I've invested in both image production because um, my South African father was a, um, was a, um, a um, uh, radio uh, producer uh, for anti-apartheid radio, but he had started out in tel- wanting to do TV, and he was also a photographer, and very much aware of the, the relationship between the image uh, for uh, liberation, uh, as a, as, you know, using the image as a tool for liberation, and at the same time, the ways in which uh, the images and narratives and stories can be used as a tool for um, for suppression. So, so like you know, in, in the South African context, for instance, like yeah, people in South Africa had no idea, you know, of the, the what was happening outside the country in terms of the building of this huge movement because there was a kind of whiteout on that narrative. And likewise, most Americans before. Uh, the people of my uh, uh, dad's generation came here and started telling people what was going on. So, and that was used, you know, to really suppress people. And so, I grew up actually seeing that in action. And then, um, and so, I think that I, I, that that's very much that that that's part of my core, who I am. And so, whenever I make films, it's, it's really having that sense of awareness because, you know, I didn't necessarily growing up know um, that that. And I knew about Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth because of the, you know, the black arts, my mother's um, and my grandfather's um, uh, interest in, in African-American, African diasporic history. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that they, you know, that they, no one else knew about them, you know, or that they weren't, you know, common household, you know, heroes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of the mainstream, you know, or the mainstream African-Americans, you know, and so, um, or mainstream, you know, Americans. And, um, and as I began to understand, like, you know, who these people were, and, um, and also, um, I, you know, it was also coming up at a time when there was, you know, um, you know there was a lot of um, uh, activity around feminism and around LGBT rights. And, um, and so all of this kind of was in, in part of the mix. Um, and uh, so, so a lot of my, my work is, is really about, like, opening up space so that, you know, uh, no member of the family is necessarily cast off because they don't conform. And, um, and that it's not about um, seeing another as, a, as, like, a demonizing the other, you know, whether the other is, you know, white or straight or whatever. You know, it's about, like, well, how can we create spaces for mutual understanding and for a kind of alleviation of fear, which ignorance and misunderstanding, um, you know, incubate. And, um, you know, because ultimately, like, you know, I'm doing the history of my particular family and, you know, my particular historical kinds of research, you know, I understand that, you know, we are all connected, we're all related, you know, as human beings, you know, and, we're, you know, we're also... You know, very you know, we're tied to the you have this, this you know, relationship to this planet, and um, and um, and so there's all these different types of connections. And I think that you know the way in which we are taught 
everything is in boxes and they're you know we're not connected and we're disconnected and we're isolated and you know and so um so part of my journey as a as a filmmaker has been to like look at these different 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 dimensions that we exist in and uh and the di- different connections so even though they might be denied on one level they're like really strong at another level mm-hmm. you know and so uh part of the film with the film uh, we created a project called the digital diaspora family reunion Roadshow, and that was created in tandem with bayback in the bay area bay, uh, bay area video coalition yeah. media producers mm-hmm. and uh, conf- uh forum and conference and basically we did our institute we did uh we created something where we could go around the country and invite people to share their family photographs with us, and um, and part of that was you know to find images that were not within the public domain, you know that that of African Americans, and but we were also very open to bringing in other or allowing other anyone to come and share, and um, and it's grown up, you know it, it's actually provided us not only with images for the film. Um, but it's, it's its own separate kind of touring road show, which is, uh, which is ongoing. And it's also, um, it also the aesthetics and what I learned there in terms of the family album, really, uh, in the course of producing this while I was making a film, also influenced the way in which I rewrote the film mm-hmm. and, uh, constructed the film. And, um, and so, um, so that's been really, really um, uh, important, you know, in terms of uh, kind of bringing people together, strangers, to come and share their family photographic uh, albums and narrative in a public space, which is what the Digital Diaspora Roadshow is. And um, so I feel like it's just, and, yeah, and that's going to be ongoing. It's gotten funding from the Rockefeller Foundation and, mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of other different foundations, including the Corporation for uh, Public Broadcasting. And, and um and so, so I think that's that's really um what you know, where 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 I feel like my work is is is, is, is um is centered. You know, I think that in terms of, you know, a lot of the negative images that we have that you know, that we inherit, yeah, I think that they could be used in ways you know, they like like W. E. B. Du Bois, you know, turn flip flip the script, you know, and use them as a way to, um, let's say, whether it's, whether it's like as a kind of truth and reconciliation, you know, moment where this is, you know, this is the reality. This is what we, this is not only what happened in the past, but this is what we're living with and what we, what we touch base with in terms of how we see one another, you know, through all this, this proliferation, uh, you know, a century or more of these images, which, which said that we're not human. And, uh, and how does that affect us psychically? Um, and you know, how do we reconcile uh, ourselves with this? You know, as African Americans, you know, and um, and uh, I mean, a case in point is, you know, I have uh, my production company is called Chimpanzee Productions, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and I actually came up with that name in when I was traveling through um, uh, Peru and and the Nazca lines. You know, and someone gave me a, a this symbol of a chimp, and I was like, you know, um, or it's actually a monkey, and um, and so you know, I was thinking about like ancient how these ancient uh, um, ancient um, um, societies created these lines that that lasted 
to the present day, and you can only see them when you're in flight, when you're up in the air. And so I was thinking about when I, you know, came up with this name that, you know, that the, you know, the ancient, you know, the idea of ancient technologies and also, um, you know, other types of communications um, and, um, and our connection also with the animal, you know, the animal kingdom. And, um, and but, you know, it, you know, some conservative folks are like, why are you calling your company chimpanzee production? Aren't you taking us backwards, you know? And I'm like, well, I don't consider myself, you know, like, you know, uh, I don't consider it, you know, I mean, I, I could call, you could call the production company anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, it's, you know, it's been, uh, so, you know, the, and, and, and I was actually on the panel the other day, uh, at a media funded, media impact funded panel, and the panelist, uh, one of the, 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 um, the moderators said to me, well, you know, most, um, so many African Americans are looking at the station in which we, you know, beat ourselves up and, you know, and we look at, you know, and look at the images that we create, you know, of ourselves, not simply people creating them about us. And then they're talking about well, how we ingest certain, you know, images and certain narratives, and, um, and we replicate them because that's what the marketplace, you know, is built upon. You know, the marketplace is built upon us as, you know, African Americans as objects, you know, and there's a certain displacement that happens. And, um, and that, that's just, that's, I mean, can one change that, you know, and, you know, change something that's been so strong for the last, you know, 500 years mm-hmm. uh, to, to legitimize slavery, um, you know, in, 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 the last, in maybe 40 years since civil rights, 40, 50 years? You know, I, I, you know, I think that is, you know, that's a question I have. I don't have any answer for that, but I know that I continue to... Um, try to dedicate my work to opening up spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, when I when I, I saw the title of um, of your your production company, um, Chimpanzee uh, Productions, um, I didn't think anything of it necessarily. Uh, I mean, I mean, I was wondering why chimpanzee because of you know, um, well, you mentioned that um, Marlon Riggs is. Um, was you know you you were um, he he was a a mentor of yours and um you know we know tongues untied and uh black skin white mass no black mass is it that's that right is did i say it right uh, but, but, but black is black ink a uh, black is black ink right exactly yeah, i'm thinking about um yeah. <laughs> the uh yeah the psychiatrist yeah france fanon <laughs> black skin white mass but um yeah and and then when i saw your film i thought you know your father's words to to you know to you um as he um wiped the vaseline off your face i thought oh wow hmm yeah so you know that statement your father calling you a grease monkey um and had you had yeah had you thought about that at all when you um when when you resonated with the image of the chimpanzee um, when you're when, in your trip to Peru. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you asked that, um, well, Wanda. This is the first time I actually had a chance to, you know, actually have someone, you know, uh, um, speak to me and pose that question. And, you know, when I came up with the name of my company, I did not necessarily, wasn't a, uh, that wasn't in the front of my head. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I, you know, as I was digging deep into the narrative of the film, 
you know, and why I would make this film and why this film is so important in terms of this journey, you know, and, um, and the differences between the way in which my grandfather, who took thousands of photographs of the family, and my father, who didn't take any pictures of our family, and those legacies that I have as a result from those two, you know, those two men, and, and I already talked about the legacy from my stepdad. Um, so, um, yeah, I've got to believe that it's also about a certain type of, um, uh, like, what is it called? A, um, you know, a, a kind of redemptive kind of thing. Well, you know, um, in terms of, um, um, so what if people, you know, I, I can't control what other people um, think or how they see me, you know. I, I, what I can do is, is, is have an awareness of how I recreate myself as an artist who's free from, from those boundaries, um, and who is, you know, committed to opening up, you know, opening up, um, other kinds of spaces. So, so, um, so like, you know, Larry Kramer, you know, called his book Faggot, you know, um, and, uh, or titled his book Faggot, you know, that, you know, that maybe there is that kind of, um, that kind of idea around, like, you know, reclaiming a kind of, um, or recontextualizing, or not so much reclaiming, but maybe transforming a certain site of trauma to this other space and taking the power out of out of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I want to let our audience know that your film um, through a lens darkly is going to be um, presented as a part of Frame Line Thirty Eight, which opens today, Juneteenth. By the way, <laughs> uh, on Saturday, which is the, the uh, uh, the equinox, um, the longest day of the year, June 21st, and it's going to be screening at 1:30 at the Victoria Theater. And I want to know where you're going to be in the house. Are you going to, are you traveling up to? Uh, are you in, uh, traveling up or traveling across the country? I'm not certain where you are situated uh, <laughs> for the screening on Saturday. Are you going to be in the house? Well, my writer is actually going to be there. Nice. And um, I probably probably going to do some kind of I may be doing some kind of Skype. Oh, thing. cool. Um, but my my um, my the writer um, my writing partner, who's also my life partner, is going to oh. be there, Don Ferry. Okay. And um, he, together with me, wrote the last three films. Wrote, wrote oh, really? Or produced. Yeah, the Twelve Disciples of Nelson Mandela, and also Amy Akata, That's my face. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people. He, this is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy, mm -hmm. and, um, and so I would encourage people to go and speak with him. And uh, he actually has a couple of uh, sci-fi novels out, uh, a wow. couple of which we're, we're in the process of turning into uh, television series. And um, and uh, so he's a he's yeah we've been together for about seventeen years. And seventeen years, wow. Yeah, that's long. Wow, that's <laughs> wow. We just celebrated that our seventeenth anniversary actually in Toronto. Congratulations! In Inside Out Festival. Thank you. So um, so so please make him feel welcome. Mm -hmm. And and then also I will be coming back to uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, the film should be opening theatrically in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure where it's going to have it drawn, but that is going to be happening in the fall, right after the uh, theatrical release and opening at the film forum. Okay. 
hand. And also, we're releasing modules of the film um, on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually outtakes, um, and that's uh, you can you can follow us at um, uh, uh, One World One Family dot me. One World that's numeral One World numeral One Family dot me, and you can also follow us on Twitter. Um, and that's also one world, one family, um, and or, or DDFR TV, which, is, which stands for Digital Diaspora TV. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's 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 where we are. And I, I just want to say one other thing is that the you know, there are about six or seven LGBT photographers in the film, mm-hmm. and um, there's a section of the film that actually talks about you know why. We are hidden <laughs> in the American Family album, mm-hmm. and um, and at the same time, like you know, the film is really about making us kind of visible. Um, but as you know, not you know, and in, in, in a way that's just completely like you know, um, we're, we're here. You know, it's not like we don't have to say we need to be here. We want to be here. We are. We're here in Central, you know, to the story. And and we've always been, you know, in terms of the you know African American community as LGBT folks, and um, and you know I think that um, I mean one of the things I you know was talking with somebody else recently about is that you know I think that there, there needs to be a, a more open dialogue around um, uh, the acceptance of LGBT folks uh, within family. And, and to use the resources, you know, of, of, of LGBT or two-spirit folks you know, in terms of the family, because we can't afford to uh, let go of anybody. You know, we need we need all the resources we can to raise, you know, uh, the next generation of our our our, our, our next generation. And um, and so um, that's also part of my mission and and part of the narrative as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because you write um, in your statement, um, you cry, you you write about legacies which cry out for reconciliation, which demand atonement before we can put them to rest and find the peace that our spirits long for. And then before that, you write um, um, to find the strands of truth revealed, the stories lost, hidden, forgotten, discarded, which will help us to understand the singular traumas that underlie our collective experience and have resulted in these two warring legacies which reside within each of us. And you talk within the film about, you know, sort of this, this um, you know, sort of the contest, you know, things being contested uh, between, you know, members of family, between black people and an American nation, and and how, you know, how these particular uh, uh, views are framed. Um, you know, within the lens or in the absence of a framing of of the of the uh, of the image or the dialogue or the discourse, and yeah, you do that quite a bit in the film, very well. Um, you know, sort of sort of asking these questions and sort of leaving it kind of open ended uh, with regards to um, how people respond. You don't give people the answer. 
Yeah, because I think that we, we, these are questions that we have to kind of answer. I mean, they're, they're lifetime questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we answer them, and I, I want people to think about their own family photographs and how they're answered, how they find answers in those family photographs, you know, whether the ones they, that are real or ones that are imagined or the ones that are lost, the ones that we're searching for. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I also wanted just to, to go back to previous, uh, previous response to a previous question about the Tuskegee photographer. Yes. And I think that you were asking about P.H. Polk, who took right. pictures of, of former enslaved people that mm-hmm. uh, Deborah Willis talked about and also Chester Higgins talked about in the film. And, mm-hmm. and there was, but, you know, that, um, um, uh, um, the founder of Tuskegee was also... Um, Booker T. Washington is also a photograph. I mean, he was next to Frederick Douglass. He was, you know, one of the most photographed Americans. Mm-hmm. Photographed by so many African American photographers because he played such an important role in the development of um, of the the field. You know, by 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 creating the the first um, black photography uh, studies. Um, or the Black Photography Department at Tuskegee with the support of the Eastman Kodak mm-hmm. uh, funding and funding of others. And, um, and so he was photographed by Arthur Boudot, uh, you know, several famous photographs and a bunch of other uh, folks, both uh, men and women and, 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 and African-American and, and uh, 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 white photographers as well. But the T.H. Polk was a f- um, uh, photographer who... Um, who actually uh, was trained uh, at Tuskegee mm-hmm. and taught at Tuskegee as well. Right, yeah. And and then, you know, the Eastman Kodak, um, Eastman Kodak comes up quite a bit when you when you think about uh, some of, you know, our, our famous, famous uh, photographers because uh, Eastman Kodak, um, Gordon Parks, you know, worked for Eastman Kodak, right? Um, did he work for Eastman Kodak? I'm not sure. Well, I know they he used their he used their photo used their film, <laughs> so maybe he was yeah, a sponsor absolutely. or something. Because I know the I know the he was using Kodak film. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he, he did he did uh, Life magazine. He worked for so many different people, so he may have worked for Eastman Kodak. I'm not. Uh, familiar with that with that part of the story, I know that most most of the story I know of him is his work for Life magazine mm-hmm. and um, and um, uh, uh, and also so it's his government work mm-hmm. in DC. Yeah, yeah, he's really phenomenal. Um, and yeah, this I'm so happy that you you made this film. Um, you know, honoring Deborah Willis. Um, uh, you know, it's it's really great. Um, to to give her you know to give her her due like that because people might not know um, her and 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 sort of the impact you know her work around uh, black images you know how how it's you know um, uh, I guess changed the way um, or allowed you know. Um, black photographers to have that kind of entree to to American media uh, because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of the photographers saying, well, if she wouldn't have been doing the work she was doing, we wouldn't be here today. Because um, we could think about the, the absence of black imagery, but then it could really be absent because we, we do see ourselves um, 
maybe not as much as we want to, but if if, if, if yeah, in the way we want to. But what if there was no one doing the work? I mean, look at all your wonderful films. I'm just, you know, the film The Twelve Disciples. I think I saw that, and that was like, wow, what a great film. Um, yeah, and I I don't think I knew you at that time, but um, but I have seen your work, <laughs> and and yeah, and and in in the way that you. You know, you you have the stills, and and you know, and you have the film, and then you you have the the venues that host your work. You know, you have you're using moving images and still images, and in in ex- exhibitions, you know, in museums. And a lot of times, people don't think about film as you know something that you would see in in an installation in in a museum. Um, but you know, your um, I believe. Some of these films, that's that's sort of where they're hosted, right? Like the Afro, um, uh, let's see, Splash, yeah, Black Body, Afro. Afro. It's just exactly. a hairstyle. Mm-hmm. hairstyle, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Afro is just a hairstyle. Notes on the journey through the African diaspora. Is that all the one title? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. great. And then you have alchemy, um, and yeah, I, I think it's really great. Um, you know, sort of the various ways um, media, you know, film, digital can be can be used and implemented. I mean, manipulated for these various types of um, of spaces. Um, sort of, you know, creatively, it gives people another way to see certain things that they didn't think could be presented in, in a certain way. And you also probably capture different audiences than you would if um, the the images were just presented in a, a traditional way in a in a in the traditional type of of locations. Mhm. Yeah, I think so. It's you know, it's, it's a it's a um, I think it's important to have. The representation be in many different places, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's museums, on TV, in the theaters, um, and um, you know, on, in public spaces, um, and also the importance of the relationship of the photograph to the moving image, you know, of the documentary photograph to the documentary film. You know, I think it's really. Um, you know, it's really uh, um, something that that, the, that that this this film um, begins to, um, or not, not just not so much begins to, but that this film is um, exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a couple more questions if you have a, a little bit more time. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give them all to you at once, and you answer them in according to much, how much time you have. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you if you could um, speak to um, your uh, your diaspora citizenship. You um, you know you were born here in the United States, but then you also spent significant formative years in in Africa, continental Africa. And so I was wondering if you could talk speak to how that sort of um, shapes your um, your lens or your view of yourself and your people um, as, you know, African, African-American, Pan-African. And then today is Juneteenth, um, the day that, um, you know, the black folks in Texas found out that they were free, and they had been free for a while, but the news didn't reach for, um, for six months, I believe. And so I was wondering if you, if you could speak to that around how liberating a tool um, 
you know, when you control the lens, how liberating that tool can be. And um, and lastly, um, I was wondering if you could ask answer the question about how if when your when your grandfather gave you that camera, you and your brother, if you ever contemplated any other career after that. Well, when my you know, I I I my mom is a chemistry professor, so I grew up in the lab. Oh. And so um, there's a connection between the darkroom, which most people don't experience anymore, amateur photographers even, you know, in the digital age. So, you know, so I, I, I kind of grew up in the lab. So when I started working with photography and working with chemicals uh, to develop, you know, it was really, it was a very special, you know, special um yeah, it was an interesting connection between those two, and I, I went to Bronx High School of Science after I came back to uh, the United States from Tanzania, East Africa, and I also um, went to I went to I, I majored it. I was pre med, but I went to Harvard. I did biology and biochemistry initially, and but I also took some photography and writing classes. So. And I took my MCAT, so I was really on my way to medical school to doing an MD PhD, and uh, mm. and uh, so it was really it was really a kind of a, a sharp curve, sharp turn away, um, and part of that happened when I got a grant uh, from a university to go to Europe and look and see and study uh, immigrant communities from the former colonies of the diaspora. You know, having grown up partly in East Africa, I was very much aware of the diaspora and very much in, uh, pulled by the diaspora. And um, and it was while I was there doing that project, um, you know, informal you know, study project um, uh, in France and Holland, um, around uh, for, uh, the idea of the colonies uh, and people from former colonies living in these countries um, um, and impacting these countries um, that I fell in love with uh, filmmaking and the narratives and creating the, I, I ways to create narratives and, and, and so that's when I actually really committed myself to becoming a, a, a image uh, maker, you know, and a filmmaker, because um, uh, I had gone there already using photography and had been working a little bit in the fashion and and um, and uh, um, exhibiting some of my work, um, and um, and you know, but when I was living in Tanzania, it was it was the height of the Pan Africanist movement, um, or at least yeah, still the height of it. Um, uh, with uh, President Julius Nyerere, you know, who took up the slack after Nkrumah, you know, was um, um, uh, you know deposed and and uh, and was the center place for African diasporic liberation movements. You know, whether it's from Southern Africa, uh, South Africa, which is fighting for its freedom, and um, and Mozambique and Angola and. Um, and then also, um, also uh, African Americans who are part of the Black Panthers, are the kind of um, you know anti-poverty kind of movements in the United States who had you know who had been um, ejected or had left themselves. Um, and um, and so I grew up in that community, and it was also uh, it was also a form of Tanzania, a Tanzania form of socialism, which was being practiced, which is Ujamaa, you know, which is connected to you know mm -hmm. Karenga's um, uh, you know Kwanzaa um, principles, 
And um, so there was a lot of stuff that kind of influenced the way in which I, uh, you know, me formatively, and I worked on a farm for about four months um, and um, was very much aware of the relationship of, um, like, this, I guess, I know, yeah, the, 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 yeah the, the, the politics and the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, um, and so... Um, yeah, and, and liberation, and you know, and 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 also the song, and so it was in the mix of everything, you know. So that impacted me tremendously, and um, and you know, and of course, you know, where you know we've been in a post-colonial moment. Yeah, you know, at that time, I think a lot of people from the you know, let's say African Americans would go to Africa looking for um, a sense of their own beauty, a sense of our own beauty and agency. You know, and um, and you know, there was, it was a utopian moment. It was you know, it was an idealistic moment. And you know, now we're living in a place that's you know, post post that moment. You know, where you know, where it's it's really complex. You know, and um, you know, best of times, worst of times, and and um, you know, and I mean, you know, when I showed the film in Atlanta, uh, someone said, you know, this film is it's so important not only for America but also for um, for you know folks on the continent because you know one of the things that people are doing you know that they weren't doing then as much you know but that's so it's wholesale is is you know how many people are bleaching their skin mm-hmm. you know whether it's in the Caribbean or throughout the continent of Africa because you know we're inundated with images that equate beauty with European standards and um, and defile you know the you know the, our skin and so that that wasn't i mean you know certain sex, sex, sectors did you know do you know do you know work to you know bleach their skin you know in in um in africa you know in the sixties or before you know but it wasn't like it is now you know and um and um and so that was you know very you know very it's a very different time you know you know, years later, and um, and then also, you know, when I was growing up in Tanzania, you know, there was a certain kind of fraternity that happened, you know, between same-sex folks, like, you know, women could walk down the street holding hands and being intimate, men could walk down the street and hold hands and be intimate, regardless of, you know, their sexual orientation. Now, you know, because of the, you know, the kind of exploitation of, like, American kind of... Um, uh, certain standards of behavior, it's that's much it's much more frowned upon and you know, and 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 um and uh and it's also you know it's much different than it was then. Um so you know, so and that was a custom that was, you know, thousands of years, you know, a certain sense of intimacy, you know, beyond the, you know, uh, orientation that, you know, that you know, male you know, intimacy and um and the same gender intimacy. In, in public spaces, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, so you know, so th- you know, things are are different, and you know, I am, I yeah, you know, consider myself a diasporic African, and you know, I mean, I you know, I mean, every day, you know, when I see you know black folks in the landscape, you know, the American landscape, it's like I'm like, you know, you know, that, that <laughs> for me, that's 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 you know who we are, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, um, and uh, so. Um, and that's what I want to celebrate too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were in um, Tanzania, did you um, did your family um, get to know um, 
uh, MSA, Pete, and, and Mama, Mama C uh, at the UNIA, the uh, United Negro uh, Improvement, um, no, not, excuse me, um, the uh, uh, the organization that they have in Arusha. Um, it, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, to you, I, I think that there might have been some connection, but, you know, I was, you know, I was a kid then. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was watching everything, but, I, you know, in terms of the, I, I think there is some connection, but, you know, we were mostly in Dar Salaam. Okay, yeah. And so we were only in Arusha. I think we went to Arusha one week. So mm-hmm. I think there was a connection, but, you know, our, you know, we were, we were in, really based in Dar Salaam. And so, um, so it was, it was a different, you know, different space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was there was another farm actually, and um, mm-hmm. and, and our farm was run by some other folks, and um, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that was very significant as well. Yeah, because he um uh he was uh one of the founders of the Kansas City um uh, Black Panther Party um chapter, and and he's in exile there um in in Arusha, and they've. I mean, established um, a wonderful community center, and they they have an orphanage, and they do a lot of a lot of community work, and they've been there like over thirty years now. Um, his wife comes back and forth; she's a poet, but um, he's been there really long time, and and so everyone sort of makes that like a destination. Um, you know, they stop through there and they host, you know, uh, civic groups and student groups, um, and do tours and arrange tours for them, and uh, cultural tours as well. It's a really, really wonderful place. So maybe next time you go through, you can maybe show your film there. I think that would be a great idea. And you know, I, I've seen the film about him and his, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, and the farm there. Yeah. Think, you know, like three or four, maybe five or six years ago, mm-hmm. maybe ten years ago. Yeah, Panther yeah. in Africa. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I want to congratulate you on this wonderful document. Um, it's one of those that I'm sure are going to see antiquity because it's just really brilliant the way you pull all of these great photographers together. I mean, the ones that are ancestors now and the ones that are still on this side, um, you know, of of, of the uh, of the forest. <laughs> if we're thinking about Amos Tutuola's, <laughs> you know, my life in the bush of ghosts. Um, yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful document. Um, looking forward to um, to meeting your your partner on Saturday, and uh, loved. I would love to read his his books. I love sci-fi. Um, yeah, when our our sister uh, Octavia Butler passed, um, I've been looking for other people to read. <laughs> Oh, great. Well, I will tell him to look out for you and for everyone there. And I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and it's been a blessing to have, you know, you watch the film and engage with the film and give your feedback. And it's, um, you know, I mean, at the end of, you know, this many years of, like, you know, making this project, you know, um, working off and on on it and, you know, really trying to be true to, you know, the vision of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, it's really gratifying to, you know, both win awards, you know, but, mm-hmm. but have people engage in it in a personal way, like, you know, like we just did, you know, and hearing your, your, your feedback and also, you know, your personal connection to it through your, your daughter and her work and, you know, and your connection with Deborah Willis and Hank Willis Thomas and you know, Carrie May. And, you know, because I feel like, so much of the film is a celebration of this, this idea of the family 
and we are creating, you know, we're creating, you know, uh, uh, you know, this, we are, you know, in the process of creating and celebrating, mm-hmm. you know, our, who we are as family. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, and um, continued blessings on your wonderful work. And and I think in in there somewhere you talk about sort of healing, and um, yeah, the more we tell our stories, and the more we know about ourselves, because a lot of this information that you share is unknown. <laughs> so a lot of people are going to be like, "What, really?" Um, that's what's so beautiful about these images and this this album that you've opened and 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 sort of you know albums are beating other albums and then people can join you know this this project that you have and share their albums and then the the picture gets bigger and America gets larger by this shared um, uh, work you know of of our of our our people in this democracy so it's just really wonderful. Um, you know, that you've sort of made this interactive like this, too. You know, the people don't just have to see it, but they can also be a part of it and, and share their stories and do their pictures, which is great. Oh, thank you, Wanda, for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Feel, free to put, uh, feel free to put our, you know, the website up. Oh, certainly. On your website, okay. and, uh, and we'd love to go back and forth and mm-hmm. keep you apprised of how we're doing. And, Excellent. You know, it would be great. Perhaps uh, next time when we come to San Francisco with the theatrical release of the film, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can interview Deborah Willis. It would be great to you know, have yeah. her perspective as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, and uh, I, I look forward to staying in touch, and I, 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 I look forward to um, the next conversation. All right, super. You take good care. <laughs> okay. Also, is yes. this going to be an edited, edited dialogue? Is it going yes. To be, uh, no, it's not going to be edited. <laughs> it's just straight. Just straight, yeah, and I'm going to broadcast it tomorrow, um, Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the 20th, which is my birthday. <laughs> Oh, great, great. It, it was great. Happy birthday. Thank you. And thank you so much for mentioning Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, so for us to celebrate that. And then also thank you so much for um, for the affirmation of that and the affirmation of the film screening on the, uh, the solstice. Because yes. that's powerful, too. And, um, and I, just, I never made the connection between... The, the Juneteenth and the solstice, you know, that space too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a powerful work, and you know, nothing happens by accident. So that uh, Frame Line Thirty Eight would would uh, you know um, program this great work through a lens darkly, black photographers and the emergence of a people. Uh, you know, a documentary directed by Thomas Alden Harris yourself on that day. You know, this. I mean, it's like you know, I don't know. You know, so I, I mean, I, I don't do reading, so I don't know, like, sort of all, everything that's, I mean, you can throw the calories and see how they fall, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, however, um, you know, there's a reason, and there's, I mean, you know, the vibration is going to be really high, I'm sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ashe, ashe and blessings. Ashe. <laughs> Peace and blessings. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>